Good morning. Good morning. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 34. Treasures in heaven, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is, where, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. In a second lesson, this one comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. Other boats were there with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? 
Come, Holy Spirit, settle in now upon our hearts and our minds. Open space to do your work in us. As we hear these words read and proclaimed, we ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. So I prepared this sermon thinking about peace and not worrying, but the thing that stood out most to me in this is that Jesus got to take a nap. It's been a long week in our household. Uh, Brookie and I had the blessing of buying a home on Friday, so there have been a lot of sleepless nights in my house, and my new watch is really great. It tracks my sleep for me, and it gives me a sleep score every morning. So when I wake up and the alarm's going off and I'm hitting it and stumbling around, my watch is already telling me that I did not get a good night's sleep. Very helpful, right? And ironic that on this week when we read the scripture about not worrying about what we will eat or drink or wear, I spent all day yesterday moving boxes. And it's just boxes of the stuff that we don't really need right now. And we filled six trucks with stuff that we don't really need right now. Oof. But really, this passage is about more than taking a nap. It's about God's peace in the midst of a storm. It's about the disciples crying out and being saved from danger. This is a famous archaeological dig. Uh, This is called the Jesus Boat. Uh, We don't know for sure that Jesus ever stepped foot in this boat, but it was pulled up, almost perfectly preserved, a 2,000-year-old fishing boat that was stuck in the mud at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. So maybe Jesus did or didn't take a ride in this exact boat, but it gives you an idea of what a fishing boat from that era would look like. Can you imagine being out in the middle of a big sea and having a storm blow up and being in a craft of this size? I was contemplating this story this week and I thought about all the times I've needed rescue when I was out on the water. When I was 16, my buddy Adam bought a boat off of Craigslist, and he was so excited to take it down and put it out on the Susquehanna. We went down, and we put this new boat in the water, and we fired up the engine, and we zipped across to the middle of the river, and uh, started to make a turn, and the boat stalled. And we floated down the river a bit, and played with the engine, got it running again, and as soon as we got up to speed the second time, and started around the corner, the boat stalled again, and we found ourselves moving further and further down the river before we finally had to give up, jump out and swim, and pull the boat to shore. Turns out there was only about this much gas in the bottom of the tank, so every time we banked around the corner, the the engine would stop running. I thought about the time that I was in seminary and at a sailing camp, and we took a whole group of campers out on the mouth of the Noose River, which is is pretty close to open ocean sailing. And the storms would blow through there kind of dangerous. 
And this was before everybody had a cell phone, so we had CB radios uh, on the lead boat and also on the guard boat. And I remember being out, and the weather was getting bad, and we made a call back to the sailing captain and asked for the rescue boat to come and get us. And the camp operated with a bunch of donated boats, and this was the name of the rescue boat, the Shaky Bottom. <laughs> so that was the best news you could hear, you know, over the CB radio, was Shaky Bottoms on its way. Or I can remember the time when I was a camper myself, and I got a paddle boat out into a storm and blew all the way across a hundred-acre lake until my friend Kevin and I were pushed up against the rocks on the dam. And the lifeguard boat had to come all the way across and pull the paddle boat back to shore. I thought also about the time I was on Cayuga Lake with my friend Dan in his new boat. We got out to the middle and the wind died down and we started to paddle back to shore and broke this paddle in half and watched the big end float out into the middle of the lake. We ended up rowing back with our life vests. Or I thought about the time that my dad and I went out on jet skis and he thought it would be funny to come over and make a quick turn and splash me with his jet ski and managed to tip his over and flip it all the way upside down and get water in the engine compartment. So we had to tow it back to shore. So what's the moral of all these stories? Don't go out in a boat with me. <laughs> or realize that being out on the water is an unpredictable and dangerous place to be. The disciples knew this well. Some of them made their livelihood in little boats just like this. And they knew what it was like for a big storm to blow up. And they knew what you should do if a storm is coming. I learned these things at Camp Don Lee. When the wind picks up and the waves start to crash in, you should be handling the sails. You should be steering with the rudder. You should be bailing out any extra water that, that comes into the boat. At Camp Don Lee, we had a thing called a Mr. Thirsty, and you could pump Mr. Thirsty and he would get the water out of your boat. But what should you not do in any of these situations? Lay down in the back of the boat on a cushion and take a nap, right? In this danger, in this emergency, Jesus was taking a nap in the back of the boat. James Howell says he loves to take trips to the Holy Land and to visit this boat on display. He says it reminds him of the reality of the gospel narratives. These were real fishermen in real boats on a real lake. These were real people that Jesus taught and healed and fished with. And they came to him with a desperate question. Teacher, don't you care if we perish? And Jesus says, peace, be still. And the waves and the wind immediately go to calm. And the line after that says that the disciples were filled with great awe. Or in some translations it says they were filled with great fear. 
Do you think the disciples were more afraid before the storm or after it? To see this man who had the power to control the weather. That's something humans have been trying to do for ages, right? Make it rain when we want to, make it stop when we don't. We have airplanes today that can fly up through the atmosphere and shoot out ice crystals or silver iodide, hoping to seed clouds so that we can create either snow or rain. There have been theories that you could shoot sound waves into a uh, big storm to, to break it up and, and try to make it uh, tear apart with a sonic boom. Or we even had President Trump suggest that we could nuke a hurricane right, to stop it off the shore. But we've never been able to control the weather. It's this unpredictable element in all of our lives. The disciples say, do you not care that we are perishing? At that moment, they weren't worried about theology. They weren't debating one another about whether or not Jesus was the Messiah and what this all meant. In their fear, they simply asked Jesus to care about them and to save them from the danger at hand. And Jesus repeated those words, like I said, they come from Psalm 46. Peace, be still. When's the last time that you were really still? Was there some point in this week where you could say you were able to be quiet and still before God? Or I hope maybe at some point in this worship service or, or last Sunday, you could say, I was present. I wasn't thinking about the future. I wasn't worried about the past. My heart wasn't racing. That sinking feeling inside goes away. But in that moment when you can say, peace, be still. When you are here, when you are breathing in the air that God has given you in this time and this space, and experiencing God's presence. In this story, Jesus demonstrates that he has the power to protect his people, to care for his church. There are no storms big enough that Jesus Christ cannot handle them. And so he asks the disciples at the end, why are you still afraid? I've been binge watching uh, one of the new Amazon series as I was at the gym this week and on the treadmill. I've been watching the Jack Ryan episodes. Uh, he's a super spy, CIA operative. And I have noticed in this series that Jack Ryan is never afraid, right? Doesn't matter what the bad guys do, he always knows what to do next. It's a great series for watching on the treadmill because not only was I keeping my heart rate up with the, the exercise, but the, the intensity of the show kept me going too. But the hero is never afraid, right? But I don't know anybody like that in real life. None of my real heroes would say they've never been 
afraid? In real life, it's harder to know what's good, what's bad, what to do, what not to do. Is this the right choice or the wrong one? And Jesus asks a pretty tough question, doesn't he? Why are you still afraid? If Jesus showed up this morning and asked me that question, I could provide a very lengthy list, right? If he asked me, Nick, why are you afraid? I could write down all the reasons. I could annotate it and put subnotes and, and footnotes too. But I read the story this week of the napping Jesus. The one who wakes up from the back of the boat in the middle of the storm and says, I've got this. The waves are really big. The water's starting to fill the boat. The wind is howling. No problem. I've got this. The napping Jesus who wakes up and says, peace, be still. In the ancient world, there were two kinds of peace in Jesus' time. The period of time uh, from right around the start of the, the century and Jesus' birth for about 200 years is known as the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. And Rome had a certain way of bringing peace to the empire. The first thing they would do is build good roads. I mean, really good roads. Like some of the Roman roads are still in use in the modern world today, 2,000 years later. They would build roads so that they could send in soldiers. And they would send soldiers to the new territories and they would shut things down with an ultra-violent military force. Sort of like a shock and awe campaign, right? But once the Roman soldiers came into town and put their foot down, the Pax Romana would take over and there would be peace in the territories enforced by the powers of Rome. And if there were any troubles in the future, Rome's solution was always the same. Send more soldiers, just like Pontius Pilate and those that he commanded coming into Jerusalem. But Jesus was born into the Pax Romana and started talking about a different kind of peace. And that peace got its name later, the Pax Christus. It's not a peace that comes through violence. It's not a peace that comes through being in control. But the Pax Christus is the kind of peace we have when God is in control. When we trust in the one who controls the waves. So whatever storm is raging in your life right now, Whatever things are those winds and waves you can't control, whatever water is filling your boat, it can come from all different angles, right? Could be factors in your employment, something in your marriage, being a parent, dealing with your health. All kinds of storms pop up and wash over us that we never saw coming. And we know from this story that there's no guarantee that in life with Jesus, there will be no storms. But what we learn from this story is that Jesus is with us. 
The one who can still the waves and command the storm is in our boat. The napping Jesus is in control. Thanks be to God who brings peace in the midst of our storm. Amen.